Hey there, Misketeers. Welcome back to Missing Out Mondays, where we tell you what we're into. Start your week off right. I'm Tari J. I am Lex Michael. Lex Michael, we're going to do something different this week because we're both into the same thing. I That makes me feel safe and like my opinions are right. Your opinions are always right. This is a safe space, Lex. <laughs> it's the safest space. The internet is a safe space. <laughs> it's nothing but kindness and love and sharing. Hell yeah. Uh, so today uh, we're going to be talking about the first half of Crisis on Infinite Earths, the DCCW big crossover event that's been, let's say, a year in the making. They announced it midway through last year. And we're like, yo, crisis next year, brah. You could say a year in the making, which is technically more accurate. They they were very clearly not planning for something like this when Arrow first started eight years ago. Yes. But you could argue in a way, a roundabout way, that this is the better part of a decade in the making. I mean, right. the, Arrow started eight years ago. This is uh, coinciding with the end of Arrow's run. Arrow, it's pretty hysterical to me now like when that show started they were clearly almost like they were allergic to superhero stuff they wouldn't even call they didn't call him the green arrow for what four years something like that um no masks nothing and now arrow has spawned the flash we've got supergirl we've got legends of tomorrow we've got uh black lightning which uh, if you've seen the promos you know is getting folded back into this we've got multiple supermen you know and we're doing the granddaddy of all comic book crossovers right like crisis on infinite earths and we're actually we're we're doing it we went from a show that seemed afraid to embrace its comic book roots to what in my opinion is probably the most comic booky thing that's ever been presented on television and one of the most comic booky things that i think has ever been presented in live action yeah um and so we're gonna talk a little bit in general terms for a few minutes, then we'll drop down a spoiler wall in case you haven't seen any of it. Um, we, we won't go too deep um, because we just we don't have all the time. It's three hours of content, and we could talk for three hours, but we're gonna we're just gonna talk about our our general feels about it. Well, and also too, the story is not over, right? We got it's it's a five part crossover, right? So the right. first three parts we got over three nights were Supergirl, Batwoman, and The Flash, and now they're off till, I think, middle of January, and we'll get the final two, I think, on the same night. We'll get Arrow, and we'll get uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah, we don't know how this ends, so it's really difficult for us to go too in-depth because it's not a complete thought yet. Exactly. Um, but what are your... How are you feeling about it so far? I I mean, I, I feel like, you know, what I just said gets gets at the heart of it pretty efficiently. It's one of the most comic booky things that I have ever seen translated yeah. to the screen, certainly outside of animation. There it's I, I don't know what I expected. I don't know that I had any particular expectations. Yeah. But this show is giving me so many different things that I would have assumed were impossible. Yeah. Things that we would just never see because, in a way, like, why would we? Like, what would the circumstance be in which uh, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, going back to Batman the Animated Series in the early 90s, under what circumstance would we find a reason to get him on screen playing an older Bruce Wayne? Again, I'm not giving away anything that's not in all the promo stuff. 
Um, where where else are you going to get Brandon Routh coming back as Superman? And like he, he played Superman in Superman Returns. And say what you will about that movie, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions about it. He was not the problem with that movie. I think in a movie that had been received a little bit more warmly, he would be regarded as one of the best actors to play the part. And I think he still is, despite what people feel about that movie. Getting uh, an opportunity to see him come back and play Superman. And if you recall, right, Superman Returns is a direct sequel to the original Donner Superman and Superman 2. So he is meant to be playing the Christopher Reeve Superman in that movie. He is still meant to be playing that same Superman, you know, so like obviously we don't have, you know, Christopher Reeves no longer uh, with us, but I would venture to say he would show up in some capacity in this where he's still around. Yeah. But it's that same character. Yes. And to see him get to embody that again, right? And to see him get to interact with Tyler Hecklin's Superman, who was a Superman that I never expected I was going to take to the way that I did, right? Like stuff like that is so like my brain explodes while I'm watching it because I just, I still like, you'd think that these shows, these inner, this interconnected universe of shows would have got like, uh, we've been so inundated with crazy, like deep cuts, comic book stuff for years on these shows. Now that you'd think I'd be sort of uh, desensitized to it. Right. And yet it just keeps giving me new stuff that I'm just like, I, I, I never thought I'd see this. And now I feel like, like now that I know it's possible I'm imagining a timeline where this never happens and I'm just feeling empty and hollow inside and stuff like a world where we don't get more of John Cryer's Lex Luthor to me would be a sad one. Yeah. So, and I love that they make him feel about as Lex Luthor as any on-screen Lex Luthor has ever felt. Yeah. And they do it without any real estate swindling. Good on, good on them. <laughs> but that's Lex Luthor's thing. He <laughs> loves real estate scams. Um, no, I, I would agree that it is, it's big. It's, um, it shows a revelry for the comics that I think this CW verse is really good about showing. Like, it's not trying to prove a point that like, oh man, this is what comic books need. I needed this new take. It's more that it really appreciates the things that make comics great. And it goes out of its way to really try to show you that on the screen. Right. Well, and too, like obviously Arrow is uh, darker than a lot of the other shows in this universe. But the other thing that's great about these shows when they're at their best is they're not trying to convince us that entertainment that was originally intended for children, literally for children that continues to be geared in large part towards children should be, ultra dark and serious and violent like they don't they're they're aware that that's not what this stuff was necessarily intended to be like those can be there's a valid interpretation i guess but that's not that wasn't the point yeah and i love that yeah we can get these are very soap operatic shows but we can get very serious we can get very melodramatic but we're supposed to be having fun yeah like that's the whole point and i feel like the the priority uh, in Crisis on Infinite Earths so far, just as much as telling a story that threads all of these things together in a satisfying way, it seems like it, it's even more about, isn't this fun? This is so fun. Look right. at what's, look at this shit. How, like, 
it's 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 Candyland. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's it does for me in a way kind of what like Avengers Endgame does for me. You know, it's like oh my god, like it's look, it's my childhood. Right. Look at it go. So I, I feel like a little like an excited little kid and stuff. You know. Yeah, I get that. Um, so if you were intending to go in with literally no information, we dropped a little bit earlier. Apologies, but like. Here we are officially dropping down the spoiler wall. I feel like we're mostly safe because, like, I, I don't think I said anything that's not in the promo stuff. Right, but it, it, assuming that, like, uh, that that was just for anyone who like doesn't follow any of the like promotions and is just like, I'm gonna jump in. Um, then, like, I'm just saying that now we are yes. um, officially getting into real spoilers and etc. Um, so three, I'm giving you a countdown. Two, one. Uh, so what do you think of the, the way that they are doing the plot? Like for anyone who doesn't know about like the original origins of the crisis on infinite earths, it's that like, there were so many different continuities going on simultaneously in the comics that they essentially decided to have this big, uh, crisis event and then consolidate a lot of the stories and re re, uh, retcon a lot of that to kind of have one single solitary, like, storyline right continuity. we we don't have the multiverse necessarily everything that we liked everything that was most effective uh from all across the multiverse yes is now streamlined it's all one earth one universe and everybody's like everybody's origin got revamped at that point as well um and and then of course because it's comic books a handful of years later they do another event where it's like just kidding multiverse is back right uh, but for a minute, the whole point was, yes, let's streamline our entire line of books and make this a little bit easier for people to follow. Yes. And so we don't have necessarily that aspect in the CW verse in that, like, we've introduced the concept of multiple Earth to some of the shows. Um, and that was just something that they were able to play with. But it wasn't something that was deemed as like a separate continuity. But what they did as a clever turn is that they took everything that has existed in the realm of DC on screen and considered that its own earth. Yes. Um, so anything that has been made a uh, live action version, uh, it is now a part of their greater multiverse. Yeah. Like the cameos in this thing and how like deep cuts they go with the cameos. It's, it's, absolutely insane like that's another thing where it's like you'd have super nerdy conversations with your friends for years about wouldn't it be cool like you know you've got like tim burton's batman like nolan's got his and stuff wouldn't it be amazing if like that one of those batman actually met superman or what if whoa there's a multiverse in the comics what if they met each other right you know or even once we get to like the end of season one of the flash and into season two of The Flash, where he's sort of running through the Speed Force, and he gets little flashes of things from around the DC universe, but also different properties, right? Like, that's how we introduce the idea, if I recall correctly, that John Wesley Shipp, who is on The Flash as Henry Allen, and then also as Jay Garrick, also exists somewhere out in the multiverse as the 1990s live-action TV Flash, right? right? So as soon as you see that, oh my god, they're, they're actually going to go for that on these shows— I mean, th then sky's the limit, right? Like, you could get a little clip of, like, Christopher Reeve, or you could see, like, the Michael Keaton Batmobile, or 
Bring back Brandon Routh as Superman. You've already got him on one of these shows as the Atom. Let him put the cape on or like find something for Kevin Conroy to do or literally anything. Like you've got, you've got of all people, Robert Wool as Alexander Knox from Tim Burton, a character that to this day, just the existence of this character <laughs> bewilders me, but it, they've got him and like he's seeing the bat signal and while the skies are turning red, you've got Burt Ward. Uh, on the separate Earth from like the Batman '66 television series, as I assume he's a grown-up Dick Grayson, and I believe too, if I recall correctly, uh, he's walking his dog, and uh-huh. something that uh, Burt Ward does now, like one of his businesses, because he's not acting as much, uh, is sort of like ethically sourced and uh, sort of like highest nutrition dog food. Oh, nice. Like, that's a big thing that he does. So I like that. I, I believe he was walking his dog, which I thought was fun. Yeah. But you get, uh, like, Birds of Prey, like the early 2000s Birds of Prey series. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that that gets a, a shout out. You get t- Titans, which I was really surprised by. <laughs> I, like, I, I missed that one. Like, a few of these cameos, like, I saw the news and I was like, oh, my God, they're got they're, uh, Lucifer? Yes. Like, they're actually bringing in, that's amazing. And somehow I missed Titans. I don't even know if that like got if that got out ahead of time, but I'd completely. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah it was I, very quick, and it blew my fucking mind. Like it's 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 everything that you'd never assume anyone would ever be able to do in live action. Consider the logistics. Yeah. of finding time to get all of these people on board to want to do this, and then having uh, creatives and a network that's ballsy enough to be like, you know what? Yeah, they'll get this. People get it. Like they'll know more or less what's happening. This will all. This will mean something to people. Yeah. You know, and like actually trust not just the creatives but the audience to be completely on board and to give them this crazy fan service thing in a way that yeah, of course it's gratuitous fan service, but in a way that this is this is the way to do it. Like you have an excuse to do it. Right. And they just went for it super hard and like it's it really is. It's like being a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Um, and I think that they are doing the overall story justice in that, like they have, uh, a lot of the, the main elements of the original story with, you know, you have, um, Nash as pariah, you have Lila who is Harbinger, who is, they have been to share a name, which makes you wonder how long that that was a plan. I do really like in the, uh, <laughs> in the, in the show, uh, when when Nash as Pariah and Lila as Harbinger are introducing the new versions of themselves to characters. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Barry sees Pariah and he's like, Nash. And Nash is like, I was Nash, but I sought forbidden power. And now I'm cursed to be a Pariah who has to watch as destruction is wrought, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Like this whole spiel. And Lila's, they're like, Lila? And she's like, I'm Harbinger now. And yeah. we just immediately move on to the next thing. And I was like, that's that's a writing choice. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, there is a lot of stuff like that. You, like, we are, of course, still talking about, you know, CW shows. And that's not even a value assessment. But it's like, you know, it's still, they are still what they are. So you'll have moments like that. Weird writing moments where it's just like, all right, okay, we'll shorthand that. Or like, we need the seven pariahs. Like, all right, we'll turn on the pariah detector. Wow, three of them are in the room. You know, it's like, okay, well, fine, we'll shorthand that. Because if we if we don't spend as much time on those aspects as maybe we could have to tell a more 
trackable story. Right. We get to take all of that real estate instead and focus on all of the really amazing fan servicey type stuff that is right at home in this story that we're not going to get yeah. in any other way. I think that you kind of hit on the main thing that like, I love all the fan servicey things and I love all the like character interaction stuff. I think the one thing that uh, I think that they could have spent more time on in the other shows leading up to crisis in the way that like the comics had like these little stories on the side. Yeah. Like the tie-in issues. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that with the exception of arrow, which is specifically about crisis and the lead up to it and a little bit of flash, like a minor aspect of it. I think that they should have really, or they could have done a lot of the legwork leading up to crisis which allowed us to get this idea of the um i forget what are they called again the seven the paragons the paragons like they could have done a lot of that groundwork establishing the paragons and 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 really like doing a lot of the lead up so we could just get straight story right um so now it feels like we get about 30 percent story and 70% fan service moments, um, which like I dig, like I'm eating them up, but I just wish that it was a more uh, cohesive story that they could have told over the three hours. Yeah, I feel like I'm able to get emotionally involved uh, despite that, but I do feel like my level of emotional involvement hinges far more on my level of familiarity now with this universe, with these characters, uh, going back to Arrow, you know what I mean? Like I was watching Arrow, like you were watching Arrow before there was a Flash series, you know what right. I mean? Like we we've been we've been on this train since like right from the beginning, so like that helps a ton. I I know these characters now. I know what all of their relationships are. I know what all of these moments mean for them. And so if we gloss over a lot of it. I'm able to take what I know, what I'm already bringing to it as an audience member and sort of fill in a lot of those gaps for myself. But I, I agree that I feel like they could be telling, uh, like the spine, the actual story, the plot could be a little bit more solid. Yes. But again, it's like, look, if we have to do one or the other, if we have to sacrifice ground one way or the other, I'd rather they just use this as an opportunity to take as like the biggest, hardest swings possible. And let's just throw every DC thing we can into this. Like let's, let's really live up to the promise uh, that I think was made implicitly when the flash spun out of arrow, that this is a comic book universe. This is a universe of superheroes and supervillains and weird cosmic magic science and doppelgangers from the multiverse and, and all of that and other planets and, and all of it, right? Like th- just, just deliver on that promise. And it seems like that's the priority. And so it's hard for me to be like, well, they're dropping the ball on this thing because the trade-off I just feel is so worth it. Yeah. Uh, last shout out is I really liked the black lightning tie in episode. Uh, but did anyway, they do a whole, did they do they a, did a whole episode? Okay. Um, watch black lightning. I've watched uh, most of the first season and thought it was really strong and I didn't keep up with it because there's already like 50 of these shows. Right. Uh, but let us know what you guys thought. 
you can do so at Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T, or you can hit us up on our personal social media, which is Lex Michael. What's yours? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. If you want to throw some sweet predictions my way, it does seem it does seem like they're maybe setting up Oliver to be the Spectre in this universe, which I think is really interesting. And it's a bit of a cheat where you could write the character out, but then still sort of comic book logic loophole Stephen Amell back for an episode here or there if you want to. Yeah. So if you want to talk about that, yeah, my my Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and make sure you shout out if it's a spoiler. Um, so label that in your tweets. Yeah. Um, and you can hit me up at Tari J, T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Um, and tomorrow we're going to be talking about the Disney animated series Gargoyles uh, from 1994. Uh, I made Lex watch the first five episodes of The Awakening. It's so good. So make sure to hit us up tomorrow. Take care. Bye. Watch Black Lightning.